0: Thanks to Clear for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Clear uses your eyes and fingerprints instead of traditional ID documents to get you through airport and stadium security faster. Get your two months of Clear for free by going to clearme.com slash dreamjob and use promo code DREAMJOB. Also, thanks to True Botanicals. Whether you're looking for an effective anti-aging regime, seeking a sensitive skin-safe solution, battling pregnancy hormones, or struggling with acne-prone skin, True Botanicals has a natural formulation that will protect and nourish your skin. Get 15% off your first purchase at TrueBotanicals.com slash DreamJob. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of don't keep your day job. I am feeling so good. It's been such a fun week. So many great interviews and I can't wait for you to hear them all, including the one that I got to do yesterday which you are going to hear today with the amazing Ken Coleman. You guys, it's a ama- like I literally sit and take pages of notes while I'm doing these interviews. So I highly recommend people starting podcasts because it's like your own private masterclass. Although you guys get to listen to what I'm listening to. So I hope hope that as you've been listening to this show that you're feeling like, wow, I'm really learning a lot. And I think that you're going to love today's episode. One thing I just want to share, um, Jacqueline Johnson, who's going to be on soon, she created this amazing, amazing world called Create and Cultivate. She said to me something so powerful. She said, Kathy, when horses race, they race with blinders on. And it just it like struck a chord with me and it almost made me tear up. And I was just thinking about how how important that is to know that like when horses race, they race with blinders on that we go all in. We have the courage to, go and commit to what we want, but we're not looking and comparing ourselves to everybody else. We are just doing what we need to do. And I think it's so key because so often I see people who are not beginning their business, their podcast, their blog, whatever it is they want to create because they're comparing themselves to other people and saying, there's no room for me, or this person does it better than me. We need you. And if I wasn't a 100% sure that we need you, I wouldn't do this show. So I hope that this show today inspires you a little more. And on that note, I'm doing this two day incredible event. In Los Angeles, March 22nd and 23rd, I've been giving away some tickets on my Instagram every day, so go check it out. It's called the Arrive Summit, and we're going to have incredible workshops. It's going to be really in-depth, helping you figure out how do you arrive home to yourself and how do you arrive to that next level where you are playing full out and really feeling like you're waking up every day and you're breaking through whatever's in the way, and you're doing your thing and you're making a living contributing your gifts to the world. If you want to be a part of it, you can go to Cal- kathyheller.com slash arrive, or you can go to Instagram and try to win some tickets. We have a few seats left and it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see you guys there. Don't forget, if you haven't yet bought your book, don't keep your day job, or you haven't downloaded it yet on Audible, go get a copy of the book some way, somehow, because starting very soon, probably first or second week of March, I'm going to be letting you know that I will be live every single week going over a chapter of the book every week. We'll be doing 12 weeks of it and I'll be live and we'll be talking through questions and I'll be able to be there to tell you some of the most important lessons, the biggest takeaways and answer your questions. It'll be fun. And that'll be for all of you. So buy the book and that way when we go through it, you'll be knowing what I'm talking about. Maybe I'll even give you guys little assignments. It'll be fun. It's free. Buy the book or download it on Audible and you'll be able to participate in that with a little bit more gusto. All right, now let's talk about today's episode. I'm so excited because we have the amazing Ken Coleman joining us. He's the nationally syndicated radio host of The Ken Coleman Show. He's a bestselling author. He's a Dave Ramsey expert on career advice and personal growth. He's like a coach and a counselor and a cheerleader all wrapped up in one and one of the kindest, most good-hearted, honest human beings I've ever had the pleasure of hanging out with. You're going to love him. You have to go listen to his show, The Ken Coleman Show, because he delivers practical advice to help you discover the role you were born to play and then helps you map out the plan to get there. We're going to talk about his amazing new book. It's called The Proximity Principle, the proven strategy that will lead you to the career that you love. But definitely make sure you grab your copy because it's jam packed with so many eye opening concepts and actionable strategies. You know, so often we think about the end goal and this impossible destination and then we get discouraged. But this book is really going to help you break down that big vision into a plan that's really really doable and it's going to push you to show up for that role that you were meant to play. So let's get into it. Without further ado, please welcome the spectacular Ken Coleman. Ken Coleman, I'm so happy right now. I get to hang out with you. I really love you. You know, I get to meet so many people who I admire, but not everybody is as generous as you are.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, I love your spirit and what you're doing.
0: It's just good to be here. It's good to be here with you. So I want to get into all the things. But before we get into that, I don't know that everybody knows your story. I don't know everybody knows how you got to know all these things and be so cool and work with Dave Ramsey and all that. Can you just tell us a little bit about your journey?
1: Oh my gosh, where to jump in. I was the kid who was really, really concerned about not figuring out what I was supposed to do with my life. And I want to figure that out. And then I had a general idea uh, around that time that I might be a U.S. Senator and maybe... I can if it was totally a good see US that. Senator. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I'm 14, 15, and so I choose politics. I think that's where I'm supposed to go, and I pursue that path. And I end up 22 years of age working for the governor of Virginia, and I realize that that wasn't it. And so I figure, well, it's probably elected office. I don't want to work in bureaucracy, so I'm going to go to the private sector and build a real resume. So I pursue this path. I worked for John Maxwell, leadership guru, and then I realized one day that uh, it's not politics, and that throws me into a brief but very real tornado of uncertainty. What is going on? And so I really did some deep diving and worked through a mutual friendship. I worked with a guy who was a big-time executive coach, and he had this great process of clarity, and so he let me do it, and I spent six months with it just about every day, just really doing a deep dive of self-examination. And that's when I realized that the same desire to serve publicly was ultimately about communicating publicly for the good of the public. And then I realized, wait a second, I want to do that in media, but it's not hard news. Is it sports? What is it? I'm wrestling through all of this. I realize it is media. It is broadcasting. I'm not sure where, how. I don't have a degree in it. I'm 31. I got a wife and three kids under three. Life was insanely crazy at this point. But I realized I had to do it. I kind of jump out a little bit, but I don't really go for it. And three years later, I got sick of wallowing in my own pity party. Nobody else was at the party but me. Uh-huh. And I realized that nobody was sitting around thinking about how they could help Ken Coleman be a broadcaster, that I had to get after it and step out. And uh, so I did. I started doing high school football play by play on the internet. I took a broadcasting class with a bunch of 20 year olds. You know, I just did all the little things and just started after it and met Dave Ramsey along the way, interviewed him a few times in front of a big leadership conference. But basically, I just worked my way through it and got more clarity the more I stepped out into new things. And so that's the journey. And I just dealt with fear, doubt and pride. I wasted a lot of time that I shouldn't have wasted. But that's why I do what I do now so that people can learn from what I did wrong, not just what I did right.
0: It's so cool. And we're going to unpack a lot of those things because just like you were trying to help you know, yourself figure out what you were supposed to do, you now do that so well yeah. for so many people and you wrote an amazing book that really helps people figure out their path. Clearly, Dave Ramsey is a smart person and you interviewed him a few times and he was like, what, what's going on in this guy? Yeah. What, what is that? And I love that when when you show up and you're, you're available to show up, even when you don't know, it's amazing how opportunity comes. Tell us a little bit about the Ken Coleman Show and what are the main things that you, that you wake up with and you're like, I hope that my audience hears this.
1: Well, thank you for asking that because I'm deeply, deeply passionate about this. Um, the show is caller-driven, meaning... Uh, it's all callers. Uh, I don't pontificate very often. If I do, it's in a two minute burst that is inspired by something on the call that just happened, but it's men and women that are calling in and they're essentially in two key buckets. Every caller that calls in on the show is either somebody who is not quite sure or has zero idea what they're supposed to do with their life. I love it. Or they have an idea or they're really clear, but they don't know how to get there. And then we're dealing with three enemies. These three enemies, by the way, you and I still deal with, you don't ever eliminate these enemies, but you can't overcome them. They are fear, doubt, and pride. They're three very Mm -hmm. different things. Fear and doubt are cousins, so they're closely related, but they are different. Fear, doubt, and pride. And so I'm fighting those things. And then essentially, I'm playing three roles on the phone. Counselor, and then I have to listen. I have to discern the caller, uh, what they're talking about, what their challenge is. Then I've got to immediately react and, and coach them. Okay, here's what's going on. Here's how you fix it. Here's what you have to do. And mm-hmm. then I'm a cheerleader because I got to wrap that call, making that call or feel like, hey, you yeah. do have what it takes. You can get there. So that's the roles that I play. Those are the enemies that I face uh, on behalf of my audience. And um, the message I want them to hear is how I open up every show. You were created to fill a unique role. I'm not going to fight with anybody for two seconds over faith and religion. I just won't fight with you. I really don't care. Cause I think everybody knows deep down, this is not an accident and I'm not an accident. So you were created to fill a unique role. That means you are needed. So I want people to feel some value cause they really are needed. But then I want them to feel a sense of urgency of the duty of this, which is you have to be you. Somebody out there needs you to be you. And so that's the opening message right after I come in on the intro. And then I close every show by saying, before I let you go, I want you to know that you matter. You do have what it takes press on. And uh, in between, it's just real life, pulling my sleeves up and helping people overcome. Uh, So that's a a summary of what the show is. And It's uh, it's it's the best best
0: thing ever. The
1: joy of my life. It's so fun. It's
0: the best thing ever. And you're so good at it. And when I say you're so good at it, it's like, you guys, he's doing it all in the moment. It's not a script. To watch you do that is like watching Jordan And it's like, boom, dunk, dunk, dunk. (laughs) Very kind. Every time it's so fun. It's the best improv ever. It's great. And the thing that you just said is what I learned and my audience has heard me say it too. And we come from exactly the same page on it. It's like, I don't care if you go from science or God, however you want to get there. What I know to be true is that your fingerprint is unique, right? I mean, nobody has the same one. And everyone's a masterpiece, piece of the master. You're putting her reason. God doesn't make extras. Just, you know it. You know it. That's right. And knows it. So let's go into the two categories of humans, because those those are the people listening to this right now. There are the people who don't know what they want to do, although I've come to find out that I don't know is a limiting belief. But there are people who don't know for lots of reasons. How do we help? Let's start with them. How do we help them figure out how I'm supposed to be of use in the
1: world? Yeah, I love this. There are three elements, I like to say, to every human being, okay? And this is indisputable, and this is the process to where, as Kathy, you just said, no excuses anymore, okay? So, here are the three things. Mm -hmm. What do you do best? All right, I'm going to break these things down. I call this abilities and qualities. People call it hard skills, soft skills. So, abilities or hard skills things that are transferable. I do this, people recognize I do this thing and it's, I get paid for this, right? So that's an ability. A quality would be a combination of a character quality, right? So I am a very honest or I'm very loyal or I am compassionate, I am empathetic, you get the drill. And uh, these are also personality traits. So I take personality traits, you're naturally very enthusiastic or positive. So people get that. So abilities and qualities. This is what you do best. And you think about if I were to go interview all the people that know you, and I'd say, tell me what they do best. What did you always notice came easy to you? As even as a youngster, you saw other kids struggling with it. And it was like, well, that's easy for me. And then uh, what do others compliment you on? And so when we can identify that, we go, okay, this is what I do best. And by the way, just to roll through this quickly, this is not what you're a six or a seven at. We're talking eight, nines, and tens because I can take an eight, a nine, and a ten, and I can improve that to great, but I'm not going to be working on my fives and sixes, folks. Nobody pays for average. So play to your strengths. Be aware of your weaknesses just to mitigate. So first is what do I do best? That's talent. Number two is what do I love to do most? Okay, think of a task, a function, a role that you play in the workplace that you've done. And it's defined by two things, high emotion, high devotion. Let me break that down. High emotion is this, when you think about the work. So when Kathy and I think about doing what we do, whether she's uh, speaking or whether she's doing a video or she's doing her show right now, or I'm live on the air, whatever, I start thinking about it. My heartbeat literally gets higher. It's a faster heartbeat. I'm excited, anticipating it. That's high emotion. High devotion is when I'm in the middle of it, time seems to stand still. I think it was 20 minutes. It's actually two hours. I don't want to quit, but I got to go to the bathroom or I got to eat or I got to actually talk to the people that I love. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> high levels of emotion, devotion, we get that. And finally, so by the way, that's passion. And then third is what results matter most to you. So think of when I am engaged in the work, what is the result of the work that I actually look at at the end of the day and I go, Ah, I'm proud of that. That means something to me. I can see a connection to where my work creates a result that I know matters and makes a difference in the world. That's mission. So look at the formula now that I have defined it. I use what I do best, okay, as a tool, think of it that way, to do the work that I love that creates a result that matters to me. This is the sweet spot. And by the way, God created all of us with those three clear Think of them as a fabric. If you were to cut me open, you're going to see talent, passion, and results. You're going to see it interwoven within our souls. That's how this works. And so when we get clarity on those three things, Kathy, now we go, okay, where can I be in my sweet spot and use what I do best to do what I love to create a result? How many different ways can I do that? And here's the freedom here, folks. Listen, some of you are locked up simply because you're afraid to make the wrong decision. I think there are multiple career paths or jobs or roles, if you will, that you can be completely fulfilled in. And it's like, once I'm in that sweet spot, I stay in the sweet spot and you can continue to grow. So when you begin to see what is it that I'm supposed to do? What is my contribution through that lens? Well, then you can retreat to clarity and those three questions with those answers, when you're truly self-aware and you're not delusional, you need some feedback. We got a lot of delusional people running around And that's scary. And that's frustration. You know what I mean? And so it's like the American Idol example. You know, it's like you think you're passionate about music uh, and you kind of are, but you just really want to be famous. But the problem is your passion's high, but your talent's low. Like you actually can't hit a note. You're awful. And and, and so that's the point. We need to be self-aware. When we get that awareness, now we're clear. And clarity leads to confidence. And confidence leads to courage. So that's what you have to do to answer the question, why am I here?
0: I mean, I'm literally taking a page of notes and I'm so happy right now. (laughs) All right, let's do the second group for people who are like, Ken, I think I know that this is a thing I'm good at and I think I've been told it and it's been validated. I'm good at this thing and I like it. I have no idea how to make it into a business. I don't know how to start to make dollar one. Yep heck do
1: i do yeah well uh it's why i created this idea called the proximity principle which by the way is not new i just came up with one morning thinking through how would i help people answer this very question because what happens is kathy the way you describe that question is perfect because that's what everybody thinks they go how do i get there because it looks like mount everest yeah so as you're watching and listening to me right now i want you to picture the highest mountain you've ever seen And that's the analogy for what we're about ready to talk about. And this is why it's so fearful for you is because you feel like you're here and you're looking up and you're going, I know that's my mountaintop. That's my dream job. But I, oh my gosh, how in the world am I ever going to get up there? It's dangerous. It's scary. There's all these unknowns. Okay, here's what happens. We've got to now come back down to the base of the mountain and go, wait a second. If I'm going to climb a mountain, which by the way, I'm not an outdoorsman. This is what I'd have to do. I'm a disaster. (laughs) I don't know anything about surviving. Okay. So if I was going to go climb a big mountain, the first thing I would do is I would say, well, I better go talk to somebody who's actually climbed this mountain. I better talk to them. And that's where the proximity principle comes in, which says, here's the proximity principle. In order to do what you want to do, plug in that dream job, that career. In order to do what you want to do, you've got to be around the people who are doing it and in the places where it is happening. So I basically broke it down to two things. People plus places equals opportunity. Because this is what people are scared of, Kathy. They're like, how do I get there? And they're thinking about the mountaintop. And nobody ever just does a quantum leap to the top of the mountain. There are stages. It is a climb. It takes time. And so how do you get there? Opportunity. So opportunity is what we're looking for. So proximity to the right people and in the right places gets me opportunity. Here's how it works. When I get around somebody who's successful in the field that I want to be in, Think about it. If I have coffee with them or lunch with them, they're giving me basically a college research paper in an hour's time if I'm prepared and I've got questions. And I say, hey, I want to be you one day. How'd you get there? What do you love most about the gig? what, What training did you get? How has that changed? Is there new training? Do I have to get the degree or do I not need a degree? And if I wasn't going to do a degree, how would I get there? This is not difficult stuff, folks. But when I'm around those people, here's what happens. I learn what I need to learn. I get an opportunity to do what I need to do. And then they become a connection point for me to somebody else. So proximity allows me to learn, do, connect. And on the path, if you are learning, doing, and connecting, I got great news for everybody. Opportunity will find you. Yeah. And so it's the idea of constantly showing up and only worrying about being in the right place, or around the right people. See, now that's not scary, but that's how you get noticed and that's how opportunity comes to you because you're just always completely focused on showing up. It's that simple.
0: I love what you're saying because it's all been done, right? You don't have to do it in a vacuum. It's like somebody else already has an audience like yours. You can already look at this other person and what they're doing, but then the question's going to be, because I have so many people in my audience who are saying, I want to open a bakery. I want to start a yoga studio. I want to fill in the blank. Yep. Well, what the heck does that mean, Kath? How do I, what do I have to be friends with a yoga teacher? What do I have to do? Sit in a yoga studio all day long? Go to a bakery?
1: Yeah. So I gave you the folks the conceptual thing, but let's just pick this. I want to open up a successful bakery. Okay, great. So let's look at proximity in multiple places. Okay. So you need to figure out who inspires you. Who's got the cookbooks that you love? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what are their recipes? What about their recipes do you love? How do they do presentation? See, all of us are inspired by somebody. Austin Kleon's a great author out of uh, Austin, Texas. I've had the privilege of interview him several times, and he's got a great book called "Steal Like an Artist." And what he basically says is, this isn't about plagiarism; it's who inspires you. So, if you think about Bob Dylan or Tom Petty or any kind of uh, musician, they've all been influenced by somebody. The great artists were all influenced by somebody else, 100%. and then they took their own spin. So, here's the deal: if you want to be in bakery and you take this idea of proximity, and you go wait a second. I can actually watch a bunch of old videos of Julia Child or I don't care. Go watch somebody who you really love and watch how they do stuff. Okay, so that's a YouTube video or that's a webinar or it's a podcast that you can listen to or you read their cookbooks. But then here's the other thing. Then in your own zip code, who's got a great bakery, start showing up and you don't have to tell them that you're trying to steal their ideas or you don't have to tell them that you wanna go to coffee. Just show up and start buying stuff from them. And when you're in the shop, look around. What's the presentation like? What's the ambiance? How do they have their stuff laid out? Would you offer everything they offer or would you offer three things, four things less? Whatever, here's the point. By observing and getting around people that are successful, so somebody who's running a successful bakery, uh, maybe it's a brick and mortar or maybe somebody's doing it and they're just showing up at festivals. And so next time you're at a festival and you see somebody doing stuff or a farmer's market, go up to them and go, hey, so what's your business model? How often do you... uh, pop up at these places. Is this the only way you sell? Do you sell online? People are going to tell you this. If you're interested in them and you're humble and you ask them questions, they're going to dish. Everybody's favorite topic is themselves. Okay. So this is not that difficult. So that's what you do. And, and so then you go to school on all that. Then you go, okay, how long before you started the brick and mortar? What's your rent here? And you start asking all these questions and then you look at it and you go, Oh, So I don't need to start a brick and mortar. I should probably start showing up at festivals and just see if people actually like my stuff. Maybe I should create an Instagram page or Facebook page and put out free recipes, you know? And and so I'm going to test, test, test on the side, on the side, on the side. And when we build it on the side, it's not as intimidating. So here's what, here's what you folks need to hear. Don't think that your dream gig has to be an automatic launch and full-time pay. In fact, it should never be. So, start it on the side, test it, test it, very small. Let's go one customer at a time and see how to get better. Let's not put any financial pressure on ourselves because that financial pressure will make you make really desperate, stupid decisions and make you quit as opposed to no pressure, going to do it on the side. I started my radio show on Saturdays, Kathy. I literally paid $250 an hour, for the first version of The Ken Coleman Show on AM Talk Radio on Saturday. Let me tell you how many people were listening to me on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Three. Me listening to myself, the guy in the studio running the board, and my wife because she's a good woman and she needed to tune in and say something nice about me when I got home. So, you know, you test, you start out early, you figure out how to get better, and you don't put the financial pressure on that side hustle.
0: You guys, this is what he's giving you. This is free. He's just doing, you understand, please go get his book. You will be obsessed (laughs) with it. And watch his show and listen to what he's doing. Okay, this conversation is just amazing. But before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsors. Life is full of tough choices and trade-offs. What you put on your body should not be one of them. True Botanicals uses both the latest scientific advances and centuries-old botanical extracts to create all natural formulas in their products, like their hydrating face cleanser, face oil for aging skin, and nutrient face mist. Their skin and body products are filled with natural and organic ingredients so you can get results without the toxins. Every True Botanicals formula is made safe certified without any of the known 5,000 toxic ingredients. And unlike most non-toxic products, True Botanical solutions actually repair your skin issues. They work with researchers at leading universities like Carnegie Mellon and Cornell to identify nourishing botanical extracts that are rich in antioxidants and vitamins to develop formulas that work better than leading beauty brands. In fact, they have three independent clinical studies and in all three trials, True Botanicals outperform Creme de la Mar and Proactive products. I tried their Renew Nutrient Mist and Renew Pure Radiance Oil on my skin and already it all feels so much fresher and brighter and healthier. Plus, it has this natural calming smell, which was super helpful considering these past few weeks have been nuts. You just got to try True Botanicals for yourself. Get 15% off your first purchase at truebotanicals.com slash dream job. That's truebotanicals.com slash dream job. Thanks to Clear for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm one of those people who I'm not always particularly early to get ahead of the I might miss my flight anxiety. And that's why I'm excited about our newest sponsor, Clear. With Clear, you can get through security with the tap of your fingers, which means you can get to your gate faster and reduce pre-flight stress. It uses your eyes and fingertips so you don't even need a physical ID to get through security. You can create your account online before going to the airport. And then when you get to the airport, a Clear ambassador helps you finish the process. so You can immediately start using it. Clear is already in over 65 airports and stadiums across the country with more being added every day. Plus, if you're traveling with your family, you can add up to 3 adult family members at a discounted rate and kids under 18 are free. Whenever I travel with my family, there's so much stress about going through the security and trying to get everyone to the gate on time, but this gives me so much more peace of mind knowing that I can use Clear to speed up the process and reduce all that unnecessary anxiety. Right now, listeners of the show can get their first 2 months of Clear for free. Go to clearme.com/dreamjob and use the code dreamjob. That's C L E A R me.com slash dream job with the promo code dream job for your free two months of clear. I talk to people every day in this audience. And what I find is that a lot of times they'll come up to that place where they'll say, cap, I figured it out. Yep. I have clarity around my thing. And I even have a sense of what to do, but yep. they don't execute. They don't do those things. They won't walk into the bakery. They won't start to do a, a single video post. If that's the next thing they know they need to do. What do you think is keeping people from doing the things and starting?
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this. This is back to what I said when I described the show, the three enemies. Let's break it down. These are the three enemies that will hold you back. If you're down, pride are building a prison around you, keeping you uh, locked up. So let's talk about fear, a couple basic fears. Fear of failure, the idea of nobody's going to like my idea right? Rejection that stings. Nobody likes my cupcakes. Nobody bought them. Oh gosh, I'm awful. And, and I just don't want to deal with the fact that I might fail or that I'm going to lose some money. I might invest five grand in this and lose it. And that is a financial failure. Some people go so far as to feel like my family is going to become homeless. I mean, it's just insane how we make these fears so big and so true. Uh, So fear of failure. All right. The other one is fear of peers. Now, this one's a biggie, okay? You're so afraid of what your friends and family are going to say because you, you've you decided to say, well, I know I've got the great job that I got out of college that's got a great 401k, and all I got to do is ride it out for another 15, 20 more years. And Instead, you go, you know what? I'm switching gears. I'm going to go back and learn something, or I'm going to start this on the side. It's going to be really hard for our family. We're going to sell our house. We're going to rent something really cheap. You know all the things that you have to do, which by the way I've done, to go backwards, and you're worried what everybody else is going to say. Like I worried about that, Kathy. Like are my friends and family going to think that I'm delusional? Like you're going to go into broadcasting? You didn't go to college for broadcasting. You've never told us you want to go into broadcasting. Is this like a pre midlife crisis? What's going on? I worried about that. All right. So fear of peers. All right. So let's look at doubt. So doubt is the cousin of fear. Doubt says, I think it's too late. I should have done this when I was 21. I'm I'm 30. I'm 45. I'm 55. It's too late. Uh, Another doubt is I actually don't think I can pull this off. Like I don't think I have what it takes. Uh, That's doubt. Okay. And then pride pride's really nasty. Pride says I'm doing pretty good over here. Everybody thinks I'm a successful adult. I checked the box. I don't want to start over. I don't want to go from comfortable where people respect me over here to I got to be the newbie and basically suck at something, you know, or be the new kid on the block and try to figure out how to do this. Right. I don't want to start over. Right. And the other voice is I don't want to ask for help. See, because when we start something new, we, we need somebody to help us. And I didn't get where I am on my own, not even close, but I had to recognize that I needed help. I needed training. I needed advice. I needed an opportunity I need your help to connect me. Will you help me? This is the most underrated question in the world. Nobody wants to ask it because it's pride-based. It's like, oh, I don't want to acknowledge that I need help. So that's an example of a couple. And I could keep going. I could give you four instances and all those things. But fear, doubt, and pride, Kathy, is what is keeping somebody in the starting blocks, which is what you described. They know they're supposed to do it, but then they're just, and it's like failure to launch. Every one of those things, fear, doubt, and pride, they they hang out on our shoulders and whatever they're saying is a lie. Fear, doubt, and pride never go away. They're always hanging out. So you can't eliminate fear, doubt, and pride, but you can overcome it. Here's three ways, it's a three-part construct. This is how you tell fear, doubt, and pride to shut up, get off my shoulder. All right, number one, you have to call it out. You've got, and I do this with callers all the time, and it's so powerful, I'll say, What are you really afraid of? Tell me. And I make them be very specific. So you got to call it out. And so I'm afraid that I'm going to be a financial failure and my life is going to become destitute. So say it. Okay, now we've said it. We see it. I love for people to write it out because then when you look at it, it gets out of your head. It already starts to look silly. Then you deconstruct the fear. Now that we've identified it, deconstruct it, meaning put it on trial is this really true? If I do this with a calculated risk, am I truly going to be homeless living under a bridge? Of course not. So now we deconstruct it. And then now that we've deconstructed it and we see that it's a lie, the third thing is now we focus on the truth. So if this is the lie, the opposite of the lie, right, is the truth. And so now we refocus on the truth and the truth is I can get there. I'm going to fail a little bit, but those are the calculated risks that I'm going to take, but I'm going to learn from my failure because every human being on the planet that's ever been successful has learned through their failure and I'm going to fail forward. And so I actually can get there. It might take a little bit of time, but if I don't quit, I'm going to get there. And so now my focus is on that desired future. So that's how you actually overcome fear, doubt, and pride.
0: Yeah. And it's so powerful because it's so true. And we're all dealing with our own stuff at all times. There's always an upper limit. There's always something new to break through. What I see is it goes back to what you open your show with, which is what you said before, which is that you're needed. And I think people don't know that. I think that's why you know to say it every show. I think when they come up against that threshold, the deepest pain is, well, someone else should do it, not me. I'm not good enough. There's somewhere along the way where either they were taught that they weren't really needed or they're not good enough or they their parents maybe modeled for them because their parents didn't feel like they were needed or good enough. And so- for kids, it's not just what's taught, it's what's caught. And at the core of it, because you're so good at it, what have you seen in your own life, in other people's lives, that actually helps them see that, yes, indeed, they are needed?
1: Yeah. Well, it goes back to the the, the exercise that I walk people through. When you get fully aware, and I'm talking true self-awareness, and you can actually... Honestly, assess and allow others to assess you. And you go, wait a second. I actually am. I'm actually good at these things. All of a sudden your, your value starts to raise a little bit. Right. And then you go, yeah, this, when I, when I think about this, I love helping people this way. I really love this. When I'm playing a guitar, huh, everything's right with the world. And then if I look out and see somebody moved by something that I'm playing now, I really, so when someone begins to see and feel. See, cause that's what happens first. I've got to change my mindset. So when I can identify that I do things, well, there are things I love to do and the results that matter to me. Now all of a sudden I go, ah, okay. All right. And so my mindset changes. And then, then I, my actions change. So it's always thinking has to change. Then actions, then feelings are the things that validate the actions. And it's how we change. That's where habits are formed. So when someone can see themselves and feel and begin to see, oh, wait a second, this is the narrative. And there, there are things that have happened to people, and when they come to my show, they've just got this false narrative that's been bouncing around in their head so long that it's become the truth to them. William James, who's considered the father of modern psychology, once said, and this is so amazing, this is going to freak you out. He said... No matter how absurd something is, if you repeat it often enough, people will believe it. Yeah, so scary. And so what's really going on is there's Mm -hmm. some type of action or some type of environment has affected the adults that are coming to my show. And so I have to help them almost completely rewire their mindset. And so it just comes down to this. Once a person knows they're valuable, they'll start to act valuable. It's just that simple period.
0: Yeah. When I I was recently talking to Bob Goff and he's like, be available. You're not going to be the best one. Nope. No one tapped you on the shoulder and knighted you today. No, but are you available to show up for this person? Everyone who's been on this show in one way or another says, I decided to be available. And when you're available, opportunity is going to meet you there and you realize there's 7 billion people who need someone today. And could I make a difference for six people? And what I think happens, Ken, is that great becomes the enemy of good. They look at people like you. They think about all the people who are already listening to your show. And they're like, there's no way I'm going to be able to serve 120,000 people by tomorrow. And Mm. then they go, I'll just sit here. It's like, how do we convince them that there's so many, like 17 people is a lot. Like if I saw 20 cars coming to your house every Tuesday, I'd go, what's he doing? What's he giving away? You know?
1: So I I agree with the be available, but, but I, there, you know, there's three questions I love to ask people, which is who do you most want to help? What problem do you want to solve? What solution do you want to provide? Ah, And and again, that's going to help answer that results question. But here's the deal to your point, the elementary school teacher who thinks that she's not making a big difference may never know on this side of heaven, how she affected one person or how she changed the world. It's a great story um, that I love to tell. I learned from my friend, Andy Andrews, and and I'm going to share it right now because I think somebody needs to hear it. I just sense that somebody needs to hear this. So there's a guy named Norman Borlaug. He's no longer alive. He won the Nobel Peace Prize for coming up with a way to hybridize wheat and corn to be able to grow in arid climates. So think deserts, United States, across the world, okay? And he got the Nobel Peace Prize, and when they gave it to him, they estimated that his invention – saved the lives of 4 billion people. And you've never heard of Norman Borlaug, have you, Kath? It's okay. I won't judge you, but it gets better. (laughs) So does Norman Borlaug get all the credit, or is it Henry Wallace? So Henry Wallace was the second of three vice presidents under FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Well, Henry Wallace was the Secretary of Agriculture before he became vice president. And when he was Secretary of Agriculture, he connected with the young Norman Borlaug, who is a just out of college. And he basically said, I want you to figure this out. This is a massive problem in the United States because we just come out of the Dust Bowl era, right? So Norman Borlaug spends almost his entire life figuring this out and figures it out. And then boom. So is it Henry Wallace who gets the credit or is it George Washington Carver, the former slave who was raised by Moses Carver and they adopted him and goes on to invent what 300 plus things from the peanut or something one of the greatest inventors the world has ever seen george washington carver he's a legend well what you don't know is george washington carver was a contemporary of henry wallace's dad so young henry wallace is hanging out at iowa state when george washington carver is a young professor at iowa state and henry love botany and all the things that carver did and so henry's dad said you can go hang out with george washington carver and so he took young henry wallace under his wing george washington carver did so is it george washington carver gets the credit or is it the couple who decided to adopt this young slave boy when his family was was murdered i mean i want people to see that it is the intentionality of being who you are and to your point being available in your sweet spot that that is where the impact comes and you may not see it in large numbers, but that 's a lie from the pit of hell that you have to be well known or that you 've got to be powerful or that you got to be rich to make a difference that 's garbage and i 'm telling you it doesn't matter so I just wanted to prove your point that it 's not about numbers it 's about the role that you were created to fill somebody out there needs you to be you and when you come into contact with them you better be you
0: it 's so beautiful and uh, it reminds me of it must've been eight or nine years ago, many years ago, in front of this particular office building, there's always this homeless guy. And I was going to the doctor and I used to give him whatever, a dollar, $2, not for him, but for me. Like I need to practice giving. It's really the gift is for me. Okay. So I passed this guy, homeless guy. Now here's the thing about him. They used to see him and every time he'd be outside, everyone who would pass by, he would say, you're a miracle. You're a miracle. Hey brother, you're a miracle, which is is so sweet. He was giving such good energy. And so I give him five bucks. It's raining. I walk into the stairwell, which is a glass enclosed thing. So I'm going up in the parking garage and I'm looking out the window every time I'm turning the corner and I see him outside. And no more than like maybe 12 seconds after I just gave him five bucks, I'm looking through the glass and another homeless guy is walking by and he's in a wheelchair. And the guy I just gave five bucks to, who's had this five bucks in his hand for 12 seconds, has, hey, brother, here, you're a miracle. And he hands him five bucks. And that five bucks to him was equal to everything that I have, right? So what is it really? It's it's everything. Mm. And I've told that story to my kids. I've told that story so many times to other people. And he doesn't even know that I saw it. And I don't know that he would assume that he has a lot of value, right? Mm -hmm. So much value did I get from that moment. Mm -hmm. It is just amazing that everything we do leaves an imprint. And what you just told and where you just kept going with it is just so inspiring. You're Mm -hmm. so inspiring. You mentioned it already. I mentioned it already. But you do have this book. It's called The Proximity Principle, The Proven Strategy That Will Lead You to the Career You Love. We've already talked about so many pieces of it. But what is it that made you want people to, to know this? Like, why did you work your way through writing this book? Because it's yeah. a big
1: undertaking. Well, what was fun about it is, is, is I came up with it one day on the way into the office because I was going to be doing a podcast interview. And I was trying to answer the question, how did I get where I am now? And what was one thing? And I couldn't come up with one thing. Then I went, well, try to come up with one thing. And I was like, I was good about getting around the right people and in the right places. And then I started thinking, well, it's proximity. It's all about proximity. And then the alliteration pops in. It's like yeah. proximity principle. So I started talking about it on the radio that day. And for six months, when it was relevant, I would talk about it. I would say, all right, well, you know what you want to do. You're just terrified to do it because you do know how to get there. Here's how you do it. It's the proximity principle. Let me break it down for you. So then it was like, this thing's really taken off. This is a book. So what's funny, Kathy, is I had never thought through the people or the places specifically in my own journey. So I went to a coffee shop one day, and I challenged myself. And I got in the corner with a moleskin and a pencil, my favorite thing to do. And I was like, okay, who were the people and the places that really made a difference for you? So I started, like, writing it out real quick and sketching it out. And I was – these were real people, and then there were real places. But then I looked at them, and I went, oh – and so I came up with five people. These are archetypes. So that is the professor, that's the professional, the producer, the peer, and the mentor. And then I came up with where you are, because so most people think that you got to move somewhere to go somewhere in your career. It's like to get started, start right now, you know. And then we came up with the uh, law of the zip code, which says everything you need to get started is already around you. Stop making excuses. On why you can't get started. It's just a bunch of garbage. Something is right there in front of you that you can use. So the places were of where you are. So you can start where you are. Um, then a place to learn, a place to practice, a place to perform, a place to grow. And so I went through those and we created archetypes of places. And so in the book, I just gave you the overview. It's just like, I take you to that person. Where are they? What do they look like? How do they act? What are you looking for when you're with them? How do you maximize those moments with them? And so we just walk the reader right through that. And then the last section of the book, so it's people, places, and the last section is practices. You know, what do you do when you're around the right people and in the right places? And so I wrote a book that you know, Kath, you've seen it. It's super simple, but I needed to put the cookies on the bottom shelf for people because I wanted them to know (laughs) that it's not so crazy, mystical On how you get there, it's actually not. And so I have found, Kathy, that in my life and in my journey, I suspect it's true of you, there are some key people and key places that made all the difference in the world for me. I mean, Dave Ramsey, I'm not here today if I don't put myself in a place of serving, volunteering, And launching the Catalyst podcast, which was a huge leadership podcast in the evangelical church space, that's where I was at that time. And I went to my buddies and I said, hey, I'll launch a podcast. This was before anybody knew what a podcast was, by the way. And so it was those type of things that that I, I get in that place where all these leaders and movers and shakers are, right? And then I met more of the people. So I can point to very clear places in my life and on my journey where proximity was everything. Yep. I was there. By the way, everybody listening has been through that at least once in their life. Right now, if you think back on your journey, you were somewhere where you knew you should have been or you're around some people on purpose and boom, something happened.
0: Yeah. And we, when I was on your show, we were talking about it and I was telling Ken that that's what Malcolm Gladwell is basically writing about in Outliers. is like yeah. right place, right time. But he also says when you're in the right place and the right time, you see it you're available to actually collect this incredible beautiful opportunity because you're the one in the right place at the right time you're not looking at your shoes and taking gum off your shoe because you're there (laughs) you are that person in that moment um and you so are i think where the where the rubber starts to meet the road and sometimes we actually we drop out of the race is when we do all the things you said we figure it out, we reverse engineer, we find the person, all the stuff. And then we're ready, not just to do the thing and collect data, but we're ready to charge for it. And we go, I'm out because all the self-worth stuff comes up. Who am I to charge for it? What would I even charge? I feel weird selling the thing now and taking the money. And that's where it's about to become a business, right? It's about to launch. And people feel so challenged by that that piece feels so so much scarier than I'll just sit and I'll noodle on my website for 14 hours. At some point, I'm going to have to go, I've done the data collection. Boom. This is my offer. This is my thing. How do we do that?
1: Yeah. You know, this gets back to young Ken. I really want to go on a date with that girl. I'm terrified right, to ask her out. But right. The only way that I'm ever going to get to go out with her is if I ask her. Yep. And this is the fear of rejection. I'm going to come right back to it. I mean, that pricing thing that you're talking about, that is... I always like to go down to the least common denominator. I yeah. always want to go levels deeper and go, you're afraid to charge a price. No, you're not. You're afraid of somebody going, that's too expensive. What is yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. You are just simply afraid of being rejected and you need to get over yourself because customers don't care. You know, they just don't care how you feel. Customers are looking at it going, is this enough of a value for me to exchange a certificate of appreciation, which Rabbi Daniel Appen calls a dollar bill, right? Customers will give you certificates of appreciation. That's money. And so they're just making the decision in the moment. Is this valuable? Is this product or service valuable enough for me to exchange my certificate of appreciation? So here's the deal. Some of them are going to go, no, it's not worth it. Yep. (laughs) I, I got news for you. You are not going to sell your product or service to everybody who touches it or, you know, looks at it. Yeah, I know. Shocking information. So, you know, the deal is, is that I would change your perspective here. This isn't motivational gibberish. Let's get really practical for a moment. Here's the deal. You have got to start selling in order to figure out what the best experience is or the best version of the product. You just have to, you know, I start thinking of things like, Ralph Lauren, who's my favorite designer of all time, the guy starts out selling ties in Nordstrom, right? And he had to design the ties and take them in. He took them to a bunch of department stores and they didn't want to sell them. If Ralph Lauren goes, well, gee whiz, I must suck at selling ties and designing ties. I'm going to wrap it up and go do something else. Then we don't have that style icon. Yeah. So the idea is, is understanding that your failure and your rejection is the price of admission. Then it changes your mindset. So go into it going, people are going to question my pricing. People are going to not take my offer. They're not going to buy my product. That's okay. I need to be okay with that and try to learn something from it so that I get as many people as possible to actually take my offer, buy my product. So I just think you have to go, failure is the price of admission. Just embrace it. It's going to happen. It doesn't mean you're awful. It means you're in the game. And so here's my deal. You either sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else play or you jump in and you get bruised, you get knocked down, you get humiliated, all this stuff. Oh, by the way, you also score the big goal, you know, the big victory. So, you know, I just think it's, it's looking at it going, I know it's going to happen, go ahead and prepare for it. You know what's funny? If you're a parent right now and you're struggling with what Kathy and I are talking about, this idea of you're, you're just really afraid of rejection, what would you tell your kids? Yeah. Your kid comes home and goes, mom, I'm terrible at math. I failed my first math test. What do you say to him? Oh, well, we're going to pull you out of that class right now. And we're changing schools. Yeah. You don't say that. You say, hey, well, it may not be your best subject, but I want you to give me your best. I want you to work on it. We'll get some tutoring. We're going to, we going to, we have to work on it. We got to get a little bit better at it. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you say. So I think it's all mindset.
0: It's so good. And I've written now three pages of notes and I don't hey, know. Yeah, want you to take
1: a picture and send those to me. I want to know what I said.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to type them up. So they actually are legible. You're so generous. You're so wise. You're so clear and passionate and kind. I can't even imagine that this is what you give away for free. You guys have to get his book. I don't know that I could recommend a book more uh, than yours. And tell us where we can find you, your show, your book, and everything no. else.
1: Well, we're uh, on multiple platforms, XM What is that channel? It's 132. It's all coming <laughs> back to me. And then uh, radio across the country, uh, live every day on YouTube as well. Just search the Ken Coleman show on YouTube and then KenColeman.com is the website where all of that information is podcast, of course, of the show, wherever you listen to podcasts. So just go to Ken Coleman.com, connect with us on social and stay tuned because I've told Kathy that I wanted to come to Nashburg and I wanted to hang out with me on the show and sit in studio live with me and weigh in on a couple of calls. So we'll see.
0: we'll see what happens. So adorable and awesome, and I would love nothing more than to make that happen. You're the best, best, best. We will link to everything in the show notes, and uh, I had so much fun with you. And it's just uh, to be continued. Thanks, Kathy. I love talking to Ken. I was recently on his show, so look out for that. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, you were created to fill a unique role. Somebody out there needs you to be you. You matter. You do have what it takes press on. Number two, use what you do best to do the work you love that creates a result that matters to you. Number three, people plus places equals opportunity. Number four, when you learn, do, and connect, opportunity will find you. Number five, we all have fear, doubt, and pride. Call it out, deconstruct it, put it on trial, and then refocus on the truth. Number six, it's not about the numbers. It's about the role you were created to fill. When you can be who you are and be available, then you can make an impact. And number seven, your failure and rejection is the price of admission. It means you're in the game. Okay. Now let's celebrate you and your wins. Hillary posted in our Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. And she said, I established my business two weeks ago after unintentionally booking my first craft fair. I buckled down, got my DBA and bank account, made 102 cards and 22 frame quotes. And off I went with only a business name and bank account, no social setup yet. I had such positive feedback and almost everyone asked if I made the cards and signs. People were very complimentary and I made 10 sales. Almost everyone bought more than one item and higher items too. Hillary, that is amazing. I'm so proud of you for going for it and making yourself available to this opportunity. There's so much that we can start to put together when we show up, even when you're not 100% ready and you just start taking that messy action. I'm really psyched to see what is coming next. So please please keep us posted. Okay. Here's another win. Nicole said in our Facebook group, I had my first candle sale and my first deposit into my bank from Etsy sales. I've been doing so far, but I had a request and put myself out there to do a candle. They loved it and they want more. Way to go, Nicole. Congrats on that first candle sale and making that first dollar. I love that you're listening to what people are asking from you, not being tied to what it is that you only want to give, but really hearing how you can serve. I'm sure that you are going to have so many more sales and so many more dollars. So please let us know how it keeps growing. You can go give Nicole some love. You can see her awesome candles and melts on her sensuous soy Etsy shop. If you have a win that you want to celebrate, post it in the Don't Keep Your Day Job free Facebook group or DM me on Instagram at Kathy.Heller. Kathy's with a C. Thank you guys for listening. I have no doubt. There are a million things that you can be doing right now, and instead, you're here. It means the world to me, and I will continue to keep showing up for you because I love you so much, and I think about you constantly. We have incredible episodes coming up, so subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and if you know someone who needs that clarity on what it is that they were meant to do, if they need that push through their fear, through their doubt, then tell them about this episode. Tell them about any episode that you love that you think is helping you to see the world with new lenses. It's the greatest gift you could do for someone else to give them a new sense of possibility, and it doesn't cost you anything. Leave us a review. Come to my Instagram. I'll be giving away more tickets to the Arrive Summit. I'm at kathy.heller. Don't forget, you guys. Buy a copy of my book if you haven't already or buy a copy for a friend or download it on Audible because starting very, very soon, I'm going to be doing a once a week book club for free. I'll be going on live, talking about my favorite takeaways from every chapter, giving you guys some prompts, maybe doing some Q&A. It's going to be super fun. And if you have the book, it's going to be more meaningful because then you'll be reading it along with me and we'll be able to discuss it in real time. And I think you guys will get a lot out of that experience. So go get the book before we start. I love you guys. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you Monday. back.